What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Two Dudes of Sports News. I don't remember what number it is. I'll have it when I edit. As always, my name is Garrett. I'm here with my co-host. What to do, what to do. This is Jalen Prince. So we're going to start it off on a little bit of a somber note. And I, I don't love doing this, but also because th there's really no way to pivot after that. But we would be remiss if we didn't mention what the day we're recording this is. Today is the anniversary of the passing of the late, great... Kobe Bean Bryant and his daughter, Gigi Bryant, um, among the other victims of the tragic helicopter crash in Los Angeles, California. Um, if, and I'm sure everybody remembered, even during that time, uh, back in 2020, uh, that, that, like that news, that passing, hurt and shocked the whole entire world, giving the man that Kobe Bryant was, not just on the court, but off the court. And the thing that really hurts him the most, it wasn't the fact that he was just young, it was the fact that he lost his daughter and they were and they were that tight. Like that started the, um, the not even a trend, but just the whole evolution or revolution of, the hashtag girl that, and it really started just with the relationship that both Kobe had with his daughter, Gigi. He loved all of his kids, um, but a lot of people knew that there was something different about her and Gigi, and Gigi could ball. And losing her, and I still remember when Vanessa Bryant said, those two cannot be separated. And I remember that hurt me. And I still remember the day when the news broke out. I was back in the Hamptons in Statesboro. And I was just and I just woke up. I was just chilling out, about to get on 2K, ironically. And then I get a notification on my phone. And I'm putting and I'm turning on my other TV, trying to pull up uh what's going on. First thing I did was go on uh whatever news channel I found that pulled up and it, and then boom, it happened. Next thing I know, I'm back. I'm back on ESPN. I'm seeing Stephen A's reaction. I'm seeing everybody's reaction. Everybody's hurting. Everybody. I think you called me. Yeah, I think I, th I did. I think you did. I probably did, and I was like, I was hurt. And two things that I was thinking about that went through my mind at that time. Number one was Shaquille O'Neal, because that I. That was a, mind you, that was a Sunday. Mm -hmm. And I think TNT was scheduled to have a game, not that night, but probably that Tuesday night. Because they were going back and forth with Tuesdays and Thursdays. And I remember, um, it probably was Thursday, TNT canceled their game that Thursday, probably. and But they showed the guys from inside the NBA, Shaquille, Char Unchuck, Kenny, Ernie, and D-Way and made an appearance as well. They were just mm -hmm. giving their stories. But to see Shaq's reaction tore me up, because usually you don't see the big diesel like that. But at the same time, like that's a brother to them. And we all know the history and relationship between the two. They did it. And like, thank God they were able to like, you know, speak publicly, publicly about their reconciliation. Mm -hmm. with one another so 
I was happy about that. And then the other thing that went through my mind was just when I was on 2K, um, just on my part, you just saw so many Kobe Bryant colors, jerseys and everything. And even 2K, they posted out uh, his poster, but that was still probably one of my darkest days um, when Kobe, when Kobe Bryant died. And mind you, I'm an Atlanta Hawks fan, but my GOAT to me, my GOAT that I thought was just out of this world was Kobe Bryant because he looked like MJ from all the videos that we saw. And he, he was, was he was our MJ. Like that was, he, he was our generation's MJ. And like, it wasn't even finals. That was my best moment with Kobe Bryant. My, one of my favorite moments watching Kobe Bryant was when he was in Atlanta. I want to say not the last time, but it was probably three times before it was, he, he scored 12 points in a row. None of them were three pointers, but dude had no scratch at the year he was with Dwight. And mm-hmm. uh, they came into Atlanta and the Hawks were still, you know, uh, be- below below average, but like they were winning that game. And Kobe just lit, he electrified the entire crowd. He had the whole crowd in the palm of his hand and then led a whole like a 12 point deficit or eight point deficit just completely go away and it was on him. Dude had an one, dude drove to the lane on the N one, had his patented mid-range shot, and I was just I'm, I'm like, it was electric because he got the cold crowd going. And it was just insane. But like that was one of my favorite memories. And of course his last game when he hit six when he hit 60. And I I, I never forget watching that game. I think my favorite was the uh the Amon Shumpert story. And I know, I know you know the one I'm talking about, which is, is prime Kobe. But that's just, that's just what Kobe did. Like it's, it's great, man. Like it not like that moment was great. Like I remember where I was when it happened. I was living in Missouri at the time I was going through uh, my record. I was going through my girlfriend's record collection. We were trying to catalog some stuff and I just get the alert and I'm like, Oh, like, Oh my God. Like I didn't believe it at first. I don't think anybody did. But my my favorite, and then you and I talked a little bit later that day. I think you took some time. And then you called me like 30 minutes after it happened and we talked for a little bit. But like my favorite Kobe moment is that Amon Shumpert story. And if you don't know, I'll tell it briefly. If you if you want to hear the full thing, go go Google it. Google Amon Shumpert Kobe story and you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. This man Shumpert was known for his defense, for sure. Shumpert was known for his defense. So he's defending Kobe. So he's doing a pretty good job. I think it was like, what? He's doing a pretty good job. It's halftime. He's doing fine. Kobe's not really doing a whole lot. It was like, what, third quarter or something like that? Or was it fourth quarter? Yeah, it was third happened? quarter. And I never forget the quarter. Third, month, third so quarter. Shumpert, like, that was cold. <laughs> it was cold. It was cold. Kobe walks up to Shumpert and looks at him, looks at the scoreboard and says, hey, you had a good game, young fella. And Shumpert's like, dog, there's still a whole half left. <laughs> Kobe dropped 60. <laughs> I think it was 60. I need to check. But that was, it's great. Like, that story is awesome. Like, it, it, it's it's just, it's Kobe. I mean, that's just what he would do. It's like, oh, like, all right, I took the first half off to make things interesting. Like, the only other person who 
who could rival Kobe's trash talk, who was around that time, was Kevin Garnett. For sure, because KG was a trash-talking goat. But it, it's still, and I'm not trying to be disrespectful with this, like it, Kobe's trash talk is up there with birds. Birds was legendary, but Kobe's is up there. Like Kobe was just cold. Like that was that was something. And like even as like Kobe is one of those dudes who like basketball wise was just respected around the league. Like rivalry or not. Like I'm a Celtics fan. And I had nothing but love and respect for Kobe in his game. Like that was it's it's like you and I were talking about before the show started. You said it, you said it very well. It's like Larry, it's like Larry Fitzgerald or Derek Jeter. Like it, it's a player that transcends rivalry that you just respect who they are and what they've done and what they brought to the table and what they brought to the game and how great they really were. And you appreciate that you were there for that moment to watch it happen. I hate to play it against dude. Uh, but <laughs> I hate it when my team played against him, but it, it, it didn't matter. Like that was, it's just, he's just one of those guys. So like it, it's, it really was four years ago, man. I saw it this morning on a uh, sports after dark posted it. Off the glass, caught it, threw it to the corner. I'm like, bro, what you are? <laughs> like, bro, I know we can't use this because it's kind of right. <laughs> But yeah, that's a little clip of the story. If you guys want to hear the whole thing, go check it out. Uh, hopefully we don't hit any copyright stuff with it. We're going to use a small amount to just kind of highlight it. All credit goes to that story. I don't remember what the show was, but all credit goes to them. That's where we got it from. So I think don't... he was just um, on a. Ra- he was it lo- looks to be on a radio a radio cast. Yeah, or like it's a radio broadcast. So yeah, don't 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 be mad at us, please. Uh, <laughs> use a couple seconds of it, but anyways, like that's that's just kind of where I'm at with it. So like, it, it, he was just one of those guys. I mean, he he was him. He. Like, kids don't say Steph Curry when they throw up a wad of paper into a trash can to yell Kobe. Like, that's what they do. No, like that. it, was always, it was always Kobe. It was always Kobe. Like, that may, be, be out of, that may be a bad example, but you know what I mean. Like, nobody goes, Jordan. Everyone just goes, like, oh, Kobe. Because <laughs> that's just what he would do. Now, like, if you shoot it from deep range, like, people are going to say Curry. But, I'm not. But that, well, no, not, not I our said, generation. I said, I said people are not everybody, not but, our uh, generation or or the yeah. older generation. But, anyways, you know, we just wanted to pay our respects to that. Let's yep, get it. R. Let's R. get into R. a. Go ahead, sorry, I was just saying R.I.P. Oh yeah, no, I got you, man. All right, man. Well, let's get into a. a that is not a pivot. I'm going to use. Uh, no, I was, I was going to say, let's go into some teams that are R.M.P. right now. <laughs> We, we won't we won't be using that. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, to pivot as best we can from that, man. Let's let's recap uh, what happened for the divisional round. I mean, it's the the biggest question. We'll, we'll answer the biggest one first, and then we can kind of go into the rest. So, you you were right. Okay, you were kind of right. I think Heavy and I went undefeated in picks, but you were kind of right. I think Heavy and I went undefeated in picks, but you were kind of right. We had um, – I had the Lions winning. We'll start there. Lions beating Tampa. I, we all expected that. Mm-hmm. I'll give Tampa props for being where they were. This Lions story is fun, man. I love it. Mm-hmm. I love this Lions story. I mean, did, did, I'm guessing you felt the same way. Like, Tampa was just – like, kind of – Tampa was a kid who was happy to be there. Uh, Not even that. I think Tampa was uh, – I would say – 
Tampa was a team that very much had an opportunity to be able to get it done. It's just mistakes and turnovers came into the way. Baker Mayfield, he threw for 349 yards. Was not was not bad. Dude had three TDs. It was not bad. Uh, the two interceptions. Uh, CJ Gardner Johnson. Uh, that that comment that he made pregame is aging like fine wine right now. He threw that interception and then immediately you saw him toss the ball to Baker. Uh, I saw that. That was cold. That was the coldest moment in the Did, game. See, I I still. CJ Chauncey Gardner Johnson is is probably one of the greatest trash talkers we have in the NFL right now. That's true, and I love it. I, I love it. I feel like every team needs that guy. Every team needs that just natural bully who just plays that mental game. Because well, it, it, it like especially if you change it for the right reasons and it and it has a positive effect for sure, and it it messes but, with you. But the thing the thing that was uh, so so darn good about this game. As much as Tim Bay fought back, the Lions just took it every every which way. 100%. Uh, I mean, Jameer Gibbs broke out for that long touchdown run. Um, I thought it was game because it changed the whole nature of the game. Um, mind you, it was going back and forth. The energy was electric in Detroit. And it was it was a really good game. It was a really good game. I don't think Baker played played bad. Yes, the turnovers were costly, but I didn't I didn't think he played bad. I think he was good. Just just good. That was pretty much it. Um I do I would say he should be back in Tampa Bay next season. He will. He'll that like that's that should be no question. Baker Mayfield, for what he's done this season with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Had, was very was you got to commend it you have to because within that division and it was anybody's to win and Baker seized his opportunity to be able to win that division win it for Tampa Bay and you beat the Eagles at like at the same darn time you was able to get a playoff win so you got to commend that you got to give you got to give credit to that and you know he like I feel like he's earned an, uh, earned another year with Tampa Bay to see what else could they could and what what else they could do together. Well, and honestly, one thing I love about what Baker did is kind of the same thing that Goff's doing right now with what he's doing in Detroit. He's making LA regret the decision to move on from him. Baker's making Cleveland look like some bums because you got Deshaun up in there throwing for 180 yards a game, and he hasn't even played a full season yet, whether that be suspensions or injuries. Yet he's made 90 million dollars. Like, and then you got Flacco showing up who's outperforming him. Meanwhile, Baker's down here in Tampa. And yes, he's got Godwin and Evans. And he's got a good defense to lay back on. But he's he's been doing good. And it's honestly, if they had just been more patient, they wouldn't be paying, you know, $40 million for the next three years each to Deshaun Watson, who has done nothing but be pedestrian since he got there. Like, at this point, it, it's not Rust. He's just not that dude. Like, it's been two years now. Like, I'll give you a year. I'll give you a year. And I know I've been critical of that in the past, but I'll give you a year. Uh, now it's now it's been a second year, and you ain't done anything with it. So let's move on to the next one. Ravens versus Texans. Did we you know- have the- 
Did you have the Texans? Did you pick the Ravens? I think we I all picked the Ravens. Yeah, I picked the Ravens, but I said it was going to be closer than I thought. And it was not. <laughs> no, like, okay, it was at the beginning. The thing about it, they pulled away in the second half, which yep. we kind of knew that was going to happen. Yep. If C.J. Stroud and the offense wasn't able to like take advantage of opportunities. And they were uh, not. C.J. Stroud did not play. He, he did not play great, but he did not play bad neither. He, I think he like he was uh, decent. 175 <laughs> yards, no touchdowns, no picks. He played okay. He, he didn't played play. okay for given the circumstances what they on what they were trying to do. Lamar Jackson was absolutely sensational. Dude had uh, 11 carries for 100 yards, two TDs. The dude had two t- uh, like um dude was um. Bro was uh, 16 to 22, 152 yards uh, passing. So in total, he had he had a, two, a 252 yards total and two TDs. You got to say it like I say it like Lee out here just head topping people. Well, the thing about it, the first throw that we saw was underthrown. Mm-hmm. Um, he said like throw, I throw high, throw high, throw high, and but and Lamar Jackson was like, I right, bet. That's pretty quarterbacky, if you ask me. Yeah, because like when you listen to your receivers about like yeah. how they want you to get and get you the ball, and you took advantage of the opportunity. The thing about it, like the Ravens are very dangerous right now, and they're playing with such confidence. But uh, to go along with Houston, Houston has had a really surprising, much improved season that they definitely could build off of. For sure, Mike has shown that he he's able to coach, uh, but he not lucked up, but. He is very fortunate that he like they took C.J. Stroud and he is and he produced within his rookie season. So they get, definitely have a lot to build over, uh, build off of just this run. They got to get depth um, on a lot of areas on the team. They got to continue to grow. They have to continue to develop. But I think with D'Amico Ryan's at the helm because he's in Houston and given what he's done as a player, but now the first year as a coach. This is a tremendous season to build off of, and I know they're in your division, but like they're gonna be a tough out from ye- and from here on out. Dude, the AFC South got tough. The AFC South got tough in one year. In one year, this division got so much deeper than it's been in past years. Texans, Jags, Colts, um, Titans are bums for the next couple of years. We don't need to talk about that. But three out of four is solid. Like I'll I'll take all the Titans smoke. You just lost Derrick Henry. Tannehill's gone. Uh, your defense ain't it. You just lost your head coach. Uh, you did just uh, you did just make Callahan the head coach, which we'll get into coaching hires later. I ain't worried about that right now. Uh, I'm not worried about Tennessee. Yeah. Titans aren't worried about Tennessee. Colts are worried about Tennessee. Tennessee needs to worry about Tennessee. But let's move uh, on. They they weren't even in it. I want to go back to what you said, saying that I was right. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's the the Niners beat the Packers. You said that it was going to be a lot. Cl- you said the Packers are going to win. Heavy said that the Niners were going to beat them by 14 at least. I said 10. I did say it was going to be close than anybody thought it was. Um, but it, it honestly, it kind of showed some of the issues in San Francisco. It showed, first of all, the Packers are a great team. And shout out Heavy for calling the shot to end all shots on Twitter. That was hilarious. This man called the turnover 30 seconds before it happened. (laughs) That was nuts. But anyways, like, the Packers are a good team. Packers are back. I can't be mad at that at all. What's frustrating is if you're a 49ers fan, because you and I were talking about this earlier today, 
the two most complete teams in the league right now, from top to bottom, both on paper, statistically, and off paper, are the Ravens and the 49ers. There are very few holes in that game. I think that the 49ers have a one more hole than the Ravens do. Actually, I think they have two. The 49ers offense is not built to have like major comebacks. So if they're down by multiple possessions in the fourth quarter, it it, it shortens the playbook quite a bit, in my opinion. In my I've been wrong before. Call, put 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 the Twitter fingers down. I've been wrong before. I've been wrong again. And it, it's gonna happen again. I think in this situation, the 49ers offense isn't built for like huge, massive comeback wins. And I could be wrong. If I am, let me know. Just simmer down. But they're show they're built for long, sustained drives with the occasional chunk play here and there, based on what I've seen. Admittedly, I haven't watched a ton of 49ers games. But also the games I have watched, I've noticed the other shortcoming is the vacancy that Robbie Gould left because old buddy from Michigan ain't it. I feel like special teams-wise, on just the kicking, or just in the kicking game, punting game, they're fine. The kicking game, and if if they get if the Lions can get out to an early enough lead, it's gonna make things difficult for San Francisco. But they have a top three defense, they have a top three offensive line, they have a top three running back, they have a top ten wide receiver core, and they have a top ten quarterback. The thing is. I watched a lot of Niners games. Mm-hmm. There are times where they look invincible, and there are times where they can be had. Uh, the thing that I paid attention to, I'll start with the defense. They do have trouble stopping the run at times. Oh, yeah. There are moments where you're able to run the ball on them. There are moments where you can attack their secondary. Mind you, they lost their starting, they lost their star safety, Talanoa Hufanga. Or like within middle of the season, mm-hmm. and you you can see there have been moments in which they could really use his playmaking ability because he has shown signs to be able to change the game. However, they've been able to or like withstand um the test of that with having other great players around: Nick Bosa, Chase Young, uh, Ark Armstead, Fred Warner, Dre uh, Dre Greenlaw, and just a whole darn development of Shardarius Ward. So when you take that to an account, they've been able to overcome a lot of those things that they've missed from the deep in the secondary. But um, the thing that I've also uh, that I paid attention to outside of the run game, and I'll go to the offensive side, is they can have moments where they could go on cold droughts. They can be stopped. They have moments. There are throws that are off, but that doesn't say like uh, Brock Purdy is a bad quarterback. I don't believe he's a bad quarterback. No. It's just there's levels to this in which we're going to see as years go on and on with Brock Purdy. Bro, I get, I get into it with a dude, and he's like, Brock Purdy's a great quarterback. I'm like, I'm not saying he's a great quarterback. No, I'm not using he's that word. He's a good quarterback, but you also he's have good. to give credit where credit's due. He has an elite supporting cast and a great head coach. And that doesn't and that take anything away from him because we've seen quarterbacks in the past have that much talent. They don't, and they For sure. They don't know what to do with it or they haven't been able to use it properly. That's just a fact of life on that one. He's a good quarterback, but he's, he's a good quarterback. He's managing it really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's making a few plays here and there. I don't take nothing away from him. 
But to be great, you have to do it uh, for a long, consistent part of time. And you have to be able to handle adversity with that. We have seen him in adverse situations, and it hasn't looked the best, but he has found a way to win the game. That game against the Packers, he found a way, he found a way to win the game. One, you made crucial third down conversions, and two, you get the ball in the hands of Christian McCaffrey. That game was won by Run CMC, in my opinion. But uh, you still needed Brock Purdy to be able to make the right throws at the right time. Um, because there were a lot of bad throws in there. I don't think his uh, pro football focus grade was as high. Um, but, you know, the Niners definitely could be had. Now the report said that Debo is going to play yeah. against the Lions. So, you know, we take it. We just got to wait and see how the Lions are going to be able to handle that. Because I would love to see the Lions win that game just based off of the story. And we're going, and we're going into more details. We'll do that later. Like, yeah, we're going to do that later. Uh, I want to touch on the Packers real quick. I want to touch on the package real mm-hmm. quick. You like you mentioned the package back. It's as simple as that. Everybody had a nice good run. Everybody had a nice good story. Uh congrats to the Detroit Lions. They took advantage of that. But if you are the, but if you are them and you're the rest of the NFC North, you are ticked off because the pack is back. Mm-hmm. The Green Bay Packers are on the verge of going through their fourth franchise quarterback. I'm going to say that again. The Green Bay Packers in their decade, in their history, get them fours are up. on the verge <laughs> of their fourth franchise quarterback. That is insane. That's nuts. It, it shows to what their talent, like what their scouts can find too. Like that's Scout, talents, the coaching and the coaches that they hired mm-hmm. and the fact that they don't have an owner which might be a recipe for something. So, but I doubt other teams are going to be able to do that, but that's neither here nor there. I look at Brock Purdy. I saw like, we look at the last eight games that he's played. He kept improving um, time and time again. You look at the young receiving core with uh, Romeo Dobbs, Christian Watson, Jaden Reed, Dontavian Wicks, uh, Bo Melton, Malik Heath, um, and not even in his tight ends, Luke Musgrave, Tyler Kraft, uh, and Green Bay's always going to have a strong offensive line. And now in Matt LaFleur, he's continuing, he's continuing to get better as a head coach and as a play caller and as a designer. So the future is absolutely bright in Green Bay and Lambeau that we're very much going to see Green Bay um, in a conference championship game in the near future, given how they continue to develop Jordan Love. Now they still got to pay him, but again, they're gonna fig- they're gonna figure that one out. That, yep. I don't think it's gonna be a big issue. And, but just looking at him and his development and how he's gonna be protected with that offensive line and the litany of weapons in which he had, you come to think about Aaron Rodgers. Why did you want to leave? Exactly. So that that you really got to think about that, but there were just moments in that game that the Packers could have won, um, won that game. But you know things happen. I don't even just look at the intercept, the, you know, like that last interception that Jordan Love threw, because that was uncharacteristic. But you mm-hmm. know it is what it is. It happens. You just sometimes you just gotta you gotta try. Everybody has their Josh Allen moments. Um, so like down <laughs> half. On that standpoint, we'll but get to Josh Allen one. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. But at the same time, um, he did not play bad. He did not play bad. The first interception, 
you, you got to make a better throw than that. You threw it behind Tyler Kraft, and they were able to take advantage of it. But outside of that, Packers definitely could have won, could have, and should have won that game. But the future is bright in Green Bay. Uh, I'm already going to give it. I'm already going to say it. Uh, they're going to win the division next year. I'm going to go ahead and call it. They do have to fix their defense. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm, I'm picking them to win the division next year. It wouldn't surprise me. There's one stat that I, I want to mention uh, that is consistent in every 49ers loss this year. And I'm sure there's a deeper dive on this. But time of possession. All five games the 49ers have lost. And there are games that they've won where this was the case, but all five games that they lost, one glaring constant was time of possession. The other team controlled the clock. If the Lions can methodically march down the field and control the clock, just like the 49ers are, this game's going to come down to one or two stops. That's it. It's simple as that. So I think, but I mean, the Niners are beatable. They're not invincible. And none of these teams are invincible, but I think the Niners and the Ravens are the most complete teams. Now we got to talk about the Bills. First of all, if you are sending death threats to a player, what it what the hell is wrong with you? At the end of the day, man, this is especially a, a former classmate of our uh, exactly classmate of ours. That's like, our guy. You, you leave right two thousand, but <laughs> you want to know sad part is hmm. we knew it was coming. You, I mean, yeah. For, yeah no, first we, of all, we knew it was coming. Y'all leave, y'all leave T. Bass alone. That's our guy. I, I'm not. I, I'm not mad at T. Bass. Look, no. that's, gonna happen, that's gonna happen with every kicker. Heck, it's happened with Justin Tucker before. You can't remember when, but still, it's happened against the Jaguars. Actually, he missed a game winning kick against us. That's last what I'm year. saying. So it's ha- it's happened to everybody. Yes, it was the playoff. But like, that game was not on T. Bass. No, that game. I'll tell you exactly who that game is on. That game is on. It's on Josh Allen, and it's on some of the decisions he made, and it's also on the receivers for not helping up. Diggs dropped a wide-open pass on that final drive. Sorry, not wide open. About 70 yards in the air, however long it was. Drops that pass, hits him right in the arms. Further along that drive. First of all, why are you doing a fake punt to DeMar Hamlin? That was dumb. That, that was dumb. You about to make my case why that game was not totally on Josh Allen. No, no, no. It wasn't fully on Josh Allen. But that final drive, some of the decisions that were made were on Josh Allen. Why are you taking an end zone shot with two and a half minutes left when you don't need the end zone shot right now? I get you want to I get you want to win the game. I get if you see it, take it. But what you didn't see was Diggs on a four-yard uh, drag route with no one around him for 10, 15 yards. You drop it off to him. He gets the first down. He stays in bounds. Here we are. New set of downs, stays in bounds, clock keeps moving. You tried to score with two and a half minutes left. You didn't learn your lesson last year when you gave him 13 seconds and he scored on you? Are you serious? Y'all didn't learn that yet? Like, what are you doing, man? And Tony, you're a moron. If you Tony Rome is a moron for starters, which I don't think anybody's going to argue with me on. But the fact that dude's like, yeah, Jim, I think he got hit here. You know, it's it's a rough throw. Like, no, he didn't get touched until the end. He short-armed the pass, and he missed. Simple as that. When he had the easy completion at the bottom, Jalen, what is one thing you were always taught uh, as a quarterback? Well, I play play D-lineman. Well, well, I know that, but a lot of quarterbacks and a lot of offensive players are almost always told, take what the defense gives you. I mean, that's just everybody, but that's like – 
It's just nature. And if the defense is giving you a four yard or a four yard drag route with nobody around you for 10 freaking yards, take the drag, take the easy completion, especially when you're trying to milk the clock. You're running a four or five minute offense. Why are you trying to score with two and a half minutes left? Take your time. The game's not fully on T Bass. Y'all ever kicked a ball with, or y'all ever kicked a football when it's cold outside? <laughs> it hurts. It hurts a lot. You ever got hit when it's cold outside? Mm hmm. It hurts. It hurts. Mm -hmm. But um, I gotta dis I gotta disagree. I don't think Josh Allen played bad. Well, he um, didn't play I, bad. I it's decision making I, on that last drive, and, and I don't think lack he, of help. I don't think Josh Allen played bad. However, there were a lot of missed opportunities, and he's got to take the fall for it. For me, I'm putting that game on Sean McDermott. You're a defensive minded head coach. You have not beaten Andy Reid in the playoffs. As much as we look at Mahomes versus Allen, and I said last episode, Josh Allen has got to show me he can beat 1-5. And Junior did not do that. And he didn't do it, but a lot of that goes into this. Mahomes only punted once. Patrick Mahomes punted once. He really got pressured in that game. Patrick Mahomes was in his bag again against them. Travis Kelsey looked like Travis Kelsey once again. And Taylor, not only Taylor Swift was in the stands and they were showing him shirtless, retired, future Hall of Famer. Jason Kelsey was in there having fun. I mean, that's why they won the game is Jason for 100 percent. I mean, that's 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 the good luck charm right there. Jet, uh, Mahomes was sick, 17 to 23, 215 yards, two TDs, do that a QBR 91 out of 100, and a QB rating of 130, uh, 131.6. Dude was in his back, and in the offense only punted once. Once. And then, of course, Isaiah Pacheco's going to run the heck out of the ball, and he's going to stomp the heck out of the ground. Tyreek said that man runs like he bites people. <laughs> man, I ain't gonna go that. I ain't, I ain't even gonna go that far. To me, like I, I, I don't even know how to describe. Uh, oh, no, nah, no. That was an episode of the Powerpuff Girls when they were going against the Roddy Rough Boys, and they were chop uh, like when they were running about to charge the Roddy Rough Boys and stuff. They like there was a scene where they were just running and they hide need the heck out yep. of that. And they were like that's how like that's to like to me dude runs like a powerpuff girl and that's not a negative that's not no, a negative you you gotta know what we're talking about before you, you got to know that. if you know you know but you if got you know, to know you know but back to the game look Kel like kelsey had five catches for 75 yards dude had two tds he was in his bag they again i say this again they only punted once and i look at sean mcdermott and i'm like you can't beat them. No. You can't. And I've said this on multiple occasions about defensive-minded head coaches. They're not in their era. This is not the era of a defensive-minded head coach. Now, D'Amico, he's doing his thing. Mike Tomlin, that's another conversation for another day. Uh, Gerard Dan, Mayo might be doing his thing. Gerard Mayo, we're going to see. But we know how, like, New England um, is going to be to a certain degree. But Sean McDermott. Andy Reid is on you. Now I don't understand Andy Reid is the best coach in foot um best coach in football, 
but he's on you and you haven't been close to beating him in those big moments because you have not been able to do your job when Josh Allen, your franchise quarterback, needs it most. And when you're not able to do your job, you're putting way too much on your franchise quarterback and you have to rely and depend solely on him to be able to deliver the goods. And he has not been able to do that against that team, against that quarterback. And I got and like you got to be able to help him out. Now, say if Josh Allen had an offensive-minded head coach. Say if he had an Andy Reid. Say if he had a Mike McDaniels. Josh Allen would be like I think Josh Allen would be able to beat Patrick Mahomes. If he had an offensive-minded coach, somebody to be able to, like, you got your own chess master. He's a Padawan. You got your own chess master. You got somebody You got somebody else. You got to have balance between having a really good coach behind your back to be able to set up things, make it easy for you where you don't have to do too much. And then when it's time for you to do something, you're able to do it. There's got to be a balanced mixture of that. And we've seen that from the Chiefs the last few seasons since Patrick Mahomes has gotten there. Heck, we're seeing it now with Lamar Jackson, him having a Todd Munkin. We're seeing, we've seen it with uh, Joe Burrow and Zach, and, like, and Zach Taylor, whatever your opinion is with that. We're seeing that with a lot. So with Sean McDermott, I, I place more responsibility on him because Josh Allen, uh, like first of all, Josh Allen offense – they, one, they stopped running the ball. I don't know why you stopped Why? Because you, you were gashing them all day. I understand that, yes. but at the same time, I, I don't know why you had to depend so much on the quarterback when you had advantage in the running game, and the game wasn't even out of reach even when they were up in that game. And, but, like, dude, you just already mentioned earlier, the fake punt. Why? What the heck were you thinking? What are you doing? Why? What is mean, what is the point? He wasn't able to get no pressure on on Patrick Mahomes whatsoever. And when you were close, you wasn't really close. It just it was an illusion. So, and I'm just thinking to myself, yeah, I know Von Miller's old, but he's one thing about him, he's tremendous in the locker room, and others should be able to get developed. What's going on there? And you were banged up at the linebacker position and in secondary, but not enough to be able to not take advantage of the receivers. That Kansas City had. There are there are two wide receivers in Kansas City. Sean McDermott. There are two wide receivers in Kansas City. There is Rasheed Rice and there is Travis Kelsey. The rest of y'all don't exist. Um, y'all are on the back of the milk card. Marcus Valdez Scantley actually, uh, um, actually played a pretty decent game. Occasional hands leans. <laughs> no, that's Nelson Aguilar. No, Scantling too. <laughs> Scantling, yeah, but he got some suspect hands. I'm not. I'm not gonna uh, look. Look, yeah, it's questionable because he's a body catcher. But here's the thing: I'm not gonna just get. I'm just. Gonna, I'm not gonna knock him for the, that one game. I'm, I'm not like it wasn't just one game. Uh, he's not at his moments, but like Chiefs led like, the Nelson league. Aguilar when he was in Philadelphia. That sure. was Chiefs led the league in drops this year. That's all I'm saying. Understood. That's all I'm saying. But we got to get moving. Predictions before we get into some coach talk. What do you think? Ravens, Chiefs, Lions, and Niners. Um. You I'll start pick. I'm picking the Lions, but that's pretty much more my heart than head. But if I use my head, I would think that's going to be one heck of a game. Because I'm thinking about like the Lions offensive line with Taylor Decker, Frank mm-hmm. Ragnow, and Panay Sewell going against that front with Fred Fred Warner, Nick Bolsa, Chase Young, Ark Armstead, uh, Jav- um, Javon Hargraves, and like Javon Kenlock. 
I, like that's gonna be a chess match. Mm-hmm. That's gonna be a chess match. That's gonna be Ben Johnson versus Steve Wilkes. That's gonna be the match right there. Um, we talked about. We actually asked the question, like you know, pre-show. Who has more at stake? And the correct answer is the San Francisco 49ers, Kyle Shanahan, Brock Purdy. Mm-hmm. That's what Moses at stake. That's the correct answer. And you go in more detail about it later. I'm going to make a case for Jared Goff. Let's go back two seasons ago. Let's, let's go back to uh, when the Super Bowl was in Atlanta and Jared Goff helped lead the Rams to the Super Bowl. You were in the Super Bowl. You were doing good. You've been a pro bowler. You've had success. And heck, you was in an NFC Championship game not too long ago against those nine, against the Niners, against those same Niners. You didn't get it done. We understood. We understood. There's context into it. But you, you know, you. you Scratch that. He was not, not my, my bad. I'm drawing a blank. He wasn't in a conference championship game with you the That was Matthew Stafford. My bad. You, um, you were in a Super Bowl. You were having success. Then your head coach let you go and got the guy that was in Detroit. You were basically sent to Detroit to die. It was like an exile. That's how it was seen to the public. And what have you done since then? You got the Detroit Lions one game away from a Super Bowl, their first one in their franchise history. First playoff win in 30, over 30 first years. playoff win in 30-something years. First, and now you won two. And guess who the first one that you won against? It was your former coach, and it was the prodigal son of Detroit. And Matthew Stafford. I said that was the prodigal son versus the forgotten one. The forgotten one won. You imagine if Jared Goff goes in the San Fran and he wins that game against that defense, against that coach, against that quarterback, against that team. His legacy is cemented. Already he's a Detroit, he's a Detroit Lions legend. And this is going to be the greatest story, football story, one of the greatest football stories of all time. Jared Goff has a, has a chance to submit himself in stone if he is able to pull off this win because you were exiled out of L.A. to Detroit, basically sent to rot. And now you and Dan Campbell has changed the culture and the nature of the Detroit franchise. And you are one game away from the Super Bowl. If you're able to pull this out against that squad, your legacy is cemented. And you will be mentioned as one of having one of the greatest playoff runs of all time. This man will never pay for another drink in Detroit ever again. If he, won't even pay, you know, he won't even pay for another drink in the state of Michigan. He won't pay for anything in the state of Michigan ever. In the state will, of Michigan, they will no. be giving him cars and houses and free mortgages, <laughs> endorsements. Oh, we're talking about a franchise that has never won 
never even got to a Super Bowl. They've never been to one. They're one of four teams and that have never been to one. He got sent there as an ex as an exile. Do you know, did you hear? Well, you didn't see it. Red Wings fans during their game, uh, I don't know if it was last night or the night before, during one of the or during one of the periods, were chanting Jared Goff. Yes. <laughs> that was awesome, man. No. This, He's if Detroit he, royalty. If he pulls this off, man, he's a legend in that state. It's not him, city, in that state. It's him, Barry Sanders, Stafford, Eminem. He'll man. jump Barry. I dog. Mm, oh, I don't dog, know about that. I don't dog. know about that. that. That's a big jump, bro. It's the Super Bowl we're talking about here. I mean, that's a big. That's it's Barry. Dog, not to mention, without question, Detroit is the, uh, like, we got another question, and it's about the, like, great story. We kind of already know the answer, but still, dog, we understand, we understand, we understand that it's Barry, but if this dude gets this franchise, not just this team, but this franchise to a Super Bowl, and you, and the teams that you have beaten, the guy that replaced you at your former franchise, one of the, the hottest number- teams in the, the NFC, and then the number one seed in mm-hmm. the game that everybody thought was going to get rigged into the Super Bowl. If you stop that, if you win that game in San Fran, you can't say nothing. You can't say nothing bad about Jared Goff. No, he, he, changed, he changed the whole tale of his career. You got to give credit where credits due. And I, I, if he's able to do this again and compete hard again. Boy, he definitely like this run can submit his Hall of Fame mark. It could start it. I I will say this, uh, Trent, Shad, Doug. This is how you rebuild a team. That's how you do it. You get a nasty physical offensive line. You get dudes with chips on your shoulders and something to prove for very very coachable. You have a offensive play caller who knows what he's doing and isn't just a legacy because his brother happens to be the coach of the Bengals talking about you Sherwood. Yes. His name is Sherwood. It's not press. His name is Sherwood Taylor. And I will be calling him Sherwood until he's earned the nickname again. It's his middle name, but everyone calls him press. I will be calling you. What is our rule about anything other than your first name on the show? Jalen. Nicknames are earned. Not given. Mm-hmm. Exactly. We do not call him Danny Dimes. We call him Daniel Jones because that's his government. And he has not earned the nickname. He has not thrown any dimes. We do not call Jimmy Garoppolo Jimmy G. We call him Garoppolo. Because he has not earned a cool nickname like Jimmy G. I call uh what's what's their quarterback down there? Aiden O'Connell. I call him Farva because he looks like Farva. Like, that's an R nickname. <laughs> Dude looks like Farva from Super Troopers. But he, that, that's an R nickname. Who you got? Niners, Niners. Yeah, we, we got to keep moving. Sorry. I got the Lions, man. I, the Lions have nothing to lose and everything to gain. The Niners looked, they didn't look weak, but the Niners looked beatable. The Niners are a beatable team. I've said it at the end, I said at the beginning of the show if the Lions can control the play clock and not make any stupid decisions, because up until uh, up until that Packers game, the only difference between that Packers game and the uh, the Niners game 
was about 40-ish seconds of uh, game clock that the Packers had over the Niners, so I'd call that a moot point. You and missed that's... that field goal. You send that game in overtime. Who mm-hmm. knows what's going to happen after that? And that stupid turnover. Yep. That's all but, it was. Uh, but, yeah, I got, I got the Lions, man. I think the Lions have – the Lions are going to be dangerous. We learned that last week at Green Bay where they have nothing to lose it? and everything in the game. What's at stake for the Niners? At the Niners, it's Shanahan's legacy. I mean, the dude, it, it, it's the dude. He he doesn't close. If coffee is for closers, this man has never had a cup of coffee in his life because he doesn't close. He it it continues to cement the leg the twenty eight to three legacy. Every single time, he will escape that if he until he will not escape that until he wins a Super Bowl. His legacy, and he he's a great coach. Don't get me wrong. He's a great coach. But part of the legacy is at stake here. And he might end up being in a Dallas Cowboys, Mike McCarthy situation. Heavy, you and Ashley might be in the same boat again with a team with a really, really, really good record. And the coach is going to be there for a long time because they win multiple, or they get double-digit wins every single year and they never make it to the big one. That's what's at stake for this. The Niners have everything to lose and not as much to gain. Whereas the Lions are the reverse. The Lions have their backs against the wall. They're the underdog. They're they're they they have nothing to lose here. They weren't supposed to be here this early. They weren't supposed to be in the championship. Or they weren't supposed to be in the conference championship. They weren't. They were supposed to be, they were going to win the division. They were going to be a first round exit or a second round exit at best. They are one game away from being from going to the Super Bowl. They have everything to gain and absolutely nothing to lose. And that's why I got the Lions, man. From And for the next game with Ravens-Chiefs, I got Ravens. I think that defense is going to test Patrick Mahomes. Kyle Hamilton's going to shadow Kelsey all night. Flowers and OBJ are going to test Ladarius Sneed. And then I think Mark Andrews is coming back. Yeah, he's coming back. The reports already said it. He's uh off the he's off the IR list. He's back. So you got Mark Andrews and Isaiah Likely. So now you've got your top weapon back. Lamar was doing a lot of his numbers this season without his favorite target. I think Ravens top to bottom are the most complete team in this league. I think that the Ravens are going to win this game. And I just... agree with you as far as they're the most complete team in the league, and especially the year that Lamar Jackson is having. This year, Lamar Jackson's been the best quarterback in the football. But I'm going with the best quarterback in football. I got to go with Patrick Mahomes. We've seen moments where he's going against some teams that were on paper and on eye, and on eye test are deemed better than his team. He still finds a way to get it done. And I can't go against that. Patrick Mahomes continuously finds a way to beat teams that, like, technically on paper he's not supposed to beat. And this is not me glazing, even though I don't even believe in that whole phrase of glazing. Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in football. Because let's go to let's go over the years. When mm-hmm. on basketball, a lot of people know LeBron James is the best player, and he might not even have the best season. But he everybody knew he was still the best player mm-hmm. or none. And for unlike for quarterbacks, Mahomes has not only won Super Bowls. And put up the stats. He's gotten jobs done. He's gotten a lot of jobs done on a consistent basis. For sure. 
most quarterbacks that have a really good season, they haven't had more than one. Patrick Mahomes has had more than one, and he's at a different standard. You mentioned like you mentioned early in the season that he wasn't going to throw for forty five hundred. He did yeah. forty two. Oh no, he didn't. He so, threw, I, I was right, but even then, like like we were talking you about earlier, were right? And think, th- let that sink in. Forty two hundred yards is this a down year. Was a down year to Patrick Mahomes. That's a career year to anybody else. So when I think about the best quarterback, it's Mahomes. It is Joe Burrow. And given how this game might go, Lamar Jackson has a chance to jump up to three. Because one thing I have at hold, one thing I've actually kept uh, on, on Lamar's head was the fact that he lost the playoff, or the fact that he lost the divisional game to Josh Allen mm-hmm. and, and the Bills. Because after he got paid back on King Henry and the Titans, he had to go to Ultra Park. He had to try to beat uh, Josh Allen. He had opportunities to be able to do it. He was one of the reasons why they did and they weren't, weren't able to do it. And that was a different team back then. And he's a much different quarterback now. He's quarterbacking right now. You have a chance to submit your, you have a chance to not only submit yourself, but also secure one of the best stories of the season. Patrick Mahomes has a chance to be in the top two. He's not going to jump Mahomes. He's, he's going to win MVP. He's going to win a second one. He's going to like be the best quarterback this season, mm-hmm. but he has a chance to get a lot closer to Patrick Mahomes after this season. If he's able to finish the job, I believe he can do it, but I got to see it to believe it. I'm going Mahomes because I've already seen what he's been able to do, and he's already been able to overcome. Also, the other thing that I'm very fearful of, the script is starting to look legit. Bro, I don't care about that crap. I'm sorry, if, my conspiracy theorist is kicking in. It, it, if you get tinfoil under there, no. Look, this is it, if it if it's if this is no, if, bro. if the script is written, then it's going to be Niners and Ravens in the Super Bowl. True, but the other thing I'm also taking into account is this: you tell me the NFL does not want to see Taylor Swift at the Super Bowl rooting it oh, out. Oh, they absolutely do. Sport. They know that they know what would happen if they get if they get the Chiefs in there. They know what's going to happen. You're going to get Jason Kelsey. You're going to get Jason Kelsey in there in the suite. You're going to get Mama Kelsey in there in the suite, and then you get unlike Ke- Taylor Swift in there. It's going to be a business move, and the NFL knows it. I'm taking the Ravens. But, yeah, I'm rooting for Lamar, but I'm but that's not even besides my point. My main point is it's Mahomes. You mentioned the defense. You are right. You mentioned the weapons that the um, Ravens have now. You're right. You like I mentioned earlier, Todd Munkin. I'm right, but it's still Mahomes. I, I got the Ravens, man. I, I think the Ravens are taking it. Oh. This is Lamar's year. Y'all think about this. There were a lot of NBA teams that had opportunities to win championships. A lot of great NBA players that have opportunities to win championships. There was always that one guy that got in their way in that time. That would be two, three, Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. Kobe stopped a lot of great NBA players from winning championships. LeBron Darren Show stopped a lot of really good NBA players and teams and franchise from winning championships. Patrick Mahomes is on that level. You don't get a Super Bowl until you get through me. And then you still got to get it done. There's only one person that's been able to get that done. Here's what I'm thinking, he though. He's hurt this year. Here's what I'm thinking, though. If Lamar wins, 
the conference goes through Baltimore. If Lamar wins and this team stays together, the conference goes through Baltimore because Baltimore is only going to get better. No. We'll agree to disagree on that. Because here's, here's the thing. You can't convince me Kansas City's not going to go out to get better weapons on the outside. They absolutely will. You cannot convince me that. Now, if there have been some rumors out there, we cannot confirm this, but there has been some talks. Andy Reid's thinking about calling it a career. You, you that hear what's happening. You might have me. You, you hear this? At the same week. time, no. That they still wants from Kansas City. You hear this through Trent Balky's burner account? <laughs> no. <laughs> For those who don't know, uh, Friday night, uh, the 25th, we're fairly certain Jaguars Twitter has found Trent a, a Trent Balky burner account. We there, there's no proof. It's all circumstantial. But it, it's a why it's a lot of circumstances. It's just it's it's funny to me. Uh, yeah, but it's anyway. funny to me. We got to keep um, moving. Speaking, yeah, we got to keep moving. We're running up on an hour. Actually, we're about to pass an hour. Um, let's get to coaches real quick, and then let's go ahead and close it out. We've had some great hires, man. We've had some great hires this year, and I'm not talking about the Jaguars. It, well, I mean Ryan Nielsen's a great hire, but I'm talking about Gerard Mayo up in New England. I'm talking about Antonio Pierce in Vegas, in the Raiders organization, getting it right this time. Second time they've had an interim head coach who showed up and balled out, and this time they're not letting him go. And then the Falcons just made – oh, my God, I'm drawing a blank in his name. He was the Rams Raheem DC. Bolton, Raheem Morris. Raheem Morris, that's right. I, I was like, yeah. I was like, it was Raheem something. And I was like, it's not it, It's not Mostert. Raheem Morris is now the head coach of the Falcons. And you've got three – Great coaches who have absolutely earned this opportunity. The best signing to me is Jim Harbaugh. He I wanted, could not disagree with you more. That's I said to me, because <laughs> understand this. Because you can agree with me on this. Is Jim Harbaugh better than Brandon Staley? A broken foot is better than Brandon Staley. Okay, then my point my point shows. Brandon Staley was not a good head coach. Harbaugh has been, has already got the rep. He already has the reputation of being a really good coach at that head coaching position. And think about it: what has Justin Herbert desperately needed? An offensive minded, an, an offensive minded head coach, and a guy that knows how to run or in, like know how to run an NFL an NFL team. Jim Harbaugh has the experience. He knows what to do, and he knows how to handle and bring a team together. I will humbly admit that. I won't even question that. That move had to happen because the Chargers have got to do something to be able to get that. You got too much talent not to be doing something. They ain't going to have that much talent next year. You know why? Yeah, you know? I know. They are in the definition of cap space hell. Do you know what their negative? Do you know what their cap space is this year? We're going into the soft season what? or for 2024. What? Negative $44 million. And all of their top players. Khalil Mack is set to make 17 and a half million. Joey Bosa is set to make 15 million. Keenan Allen is set to make 18 million. Mike Williams is set to make 17 million. Derwin James is set to make 12.75. 
Corey Lindsley set to make 11.5. You've got multiple people set to make double digit salary for this year, base salary. Dog, I'm looking at the charges. I'm like, you, yes, yeah, you're about to go into that. That means you got to make a one now before you have to go into a massive rebuild. But you got to, you're already in it. They have to change this going, they have to change that this offseason. They can't go in with negative cap. It's it. We're going to see, but I think when you got a franchise quarterback in Justin Herbert, you needed this guy to help you get to another level. Get or unlike get, yeah. You need this guy to be able to help you get to another level. For sure, we're gonna see. He still got weapons. He still got a line. So Jim Harbaugh has a lot to build with, and I do believe he's gonna be able to run it. And when I remember, I still said the AFC goes through Kansas City. I'm not gonna make no predictions for the Chargers because I gotta see it. But if you're Kansas City, you gotta be alarmed about it. Here's the one thing I will, I do want to say. I'm gonna commend I'm gonna commend the Las Vegas Raiders. Yeah, great Al hire. Davis, I like Al Davis. Finally got it right. Great hire. It, that had to happen. Great it hire. He won you games. You beat division rivals. You made a lot of noise, and the team loved him. And your franchise player wanted him there and said, "I'll threaten to leave," mm-hmm. which you cannot risk because you're in Vegas. Antonio Pierce getting. A head coaching job that had to happen. Absolutely had to happen. I think part of the reason that might be part of the reason why Belichick didn't get a job because they're like, okay, who are you going to bring in? And Belichick was going to say McDaniel's, and they don't want McDaniel's. I I think a lot of people are afraid to hire uh, Bill Belichick right now because of just what, like, the NFL is really has passed him by. Yeah, absolutely. Because like he hasn't proved that he can be able to like utilize talent or keep talent or Absolutely. be able to grab talent, and he wants that tub of control. So that's where I'm on the mindset. I'm not surprised that he that he hasn't got a job, and I don't think he's getting any of the last two jobs with my Seahawks or the Commanders. I think for my Seahawks, I think for my Seahawks, I think we're waiting on the DC of the Baltimore Ravens. Long shot, Ben Johnson. But that's hey. just me. But that's just me. But uh, with Belichick. I think he's, I think I don't think he's done. I think he can still coach, but run a franchise? No, 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 no. That's not happening again. I'm, I, you can you can make this one of our TikToks going forward. Chargers fans, it's about to get a whole lot worse before it gets better for y'all because y'all are either going to have to restructure to the nth degree or y'all are about to napalm this roster. You have negative forty four million in cap going into the next year. You cannot have that. So you, you're going to have to cut people. Or restructure. Which quarter? Which um? Which coaching hire was the most surprising to you? The most surprising? I'll run it down. Uh, Patriots hired Jared Mayo. Carolina Panthers hired Dave on uh, Dave Canales. That one. Titans hired Brian Callahan. Falcons got Raheem Morris. Jim Harbaugh to the Chargers. Antonio Pierce to the uh, to the Vegas Raiders. Panthers. Absolutely, the Panthers. Because, like, yeah, he had a great – was he was he the OC last year? I don't even remember. Uh, Canales was the offense coordinator for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. No, was he the OC last year? Who? Canel. Was Canel the offensive coordinator for Tampa last year? Uh, let's see. Because if he wasn't, then he's going off one year of success. And I don't – I also think the two biggest dumpster fires right now – in football are the Chargers 
and the Panthers. You're talking about just financially, right? Uh, in general. Because Panthers, I believe Panthers have cap space. But the issue is sorry, trying to find this. All right. So Cannell served as the wide receivers coach before taking on roles of quarterbacks coach and passing game coordinator for the Seattle Seahawks from 2018 through 2022. This was his first year as offensive coordinator for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. <laughs> mind you, Todd, mind you, Todd Bowles was the uh, is you know Todd Bowles was uh, is a defensive minded head coach for, for the sure. Bucs, and they made and they had a really good playoff push this season. My also Canales replaced Byron Leftwich this season. So I I think I think it's it's I don't like that hire. I he's got one year of success and that's pretty much it. Well he's forty two years old, so he's fairly young. And if he's able to be creative, because remember a lot of people didn't like the Mike McDaniels hire. A lot of people weren't very fond of him. So like I'm gonna give him a shot. We're gonna see because I don't want to see my boy Bryce Young get beat up again. The reason why I think the Panthers is such a dumpster fire, you have David Temper. I know it's Tepper. It's Temper now because you're throwing drinks at people because you're upset about it. Uh, you have Tepper as your owner who fired Frank Reich, not even a full season into a rebuild. So you have an impatient owner. You only have $30 million in cap, and you've got Brian Burns doesn't want to be there. Yep. So you're losing a key piece on defense. You need to rebuild that offensive line like like yes, people. Need, yeah, y'all need to y'all need they need to rebuild that offensive line. I'm not even gonna come up with an analogy for it. They need to rebuild that offensive line. Yeah, they the got reason, and the reason why I said the two biggest dumpster fires are the Chargers and the um and the Panthers is for that reason. The Chargers actually the Chargers don't have the worst cap space. The Saints have the worst cap space, but still the Chargers are in cap hell right now. Thanks to that, bud. Negative eighty-two million. Jesus. <laughs> Dolphins um, too, but most, the re- pri- the most surprising why- to me. Oh my bad. Oh, sorry. The reason why I don't think it's Tennessee, and y'all know I hate Tennessee as much as humanly possible. Because I'm picking Tennessee. Yeah. Tennessee's got seventy-three, almost seventy-four million dollars in cap. No, I think no, I think uh, like like Brian Callahan. I don't like the hire. That's what I'm saying. Like that was surprising to me. I'm like. Really? I don't like the hire. I think the hire was bad. I don't like the hire. The only reason why I like the only reason why I like the hire more than I like the one for Carolina is because this hire you have at least room to work with. You have a blank canvas. Whereas in Carolina, oh. the canvas is already the the outline's already been put in. That's true. You're either gonna have to redraw them or you have to start coloring outside the lines. Tennessee's a blank canvas right now. And a ton yeah. of money to play still, around with. You still got Jeffrey Simmons and you still got D Hop. Which you I have, still put D-Hop for going to, uh, going to Nashville anyway. You have a number one wide receiver. You have a good defensive lineman. You've got a decent defense. So you've got good Bro, building You still got Traylon already. Burks. You do have Burks. Traylon Burks. I, I, I was very wrong about Traylon Burks. I was talking about D-Hop as number one receiver. Traylon Burks has had a – we'll see D-Hop if he can – should have gone to Kansas City. I agree. But we'll see if he can revive Traylon Burks' career. Because right now Traylon Burks is turning to Corey Davis 2.0. I'm and not going to go that far. Remember, he, remember, Burks has taken a lot of massive hits. A lot of hospital balls from Tannehill. So yeah. but that, that's that's where I'm at with it. Uh, you got anything else you want to get into, man? 
Uh, nah, nah, not, not right now. Thank you guys for listening. We really do appreciate it. Um, if you like the show, the best we can let us know is five star reviews on whatever podcast platform you're listening to, or just let us know on Twitter. Hit us up at TDS and Pod on Twitter. Find us at TikTok at TDS and Pod the exact same way. Uh, we put out content on there probably about once a week, maybe twice a week. Uh, Twitter's ready to get the most notifications and updates for it, so check it out there. Um, if you like the show and you want to, you know, basically help support us, those five star reviews are the best way to do it. Um, stay tuned for next week too, because we're going to try something new. Uh, this is uh, why you always stay tuned to the end. Uh, we're going to do our, we're going to try something new. We're going to try our yearly uh, to do's of sports news awards, and they're not going to be your normal offensive rookie of the year, stuff like that. Like our, I'm going to give you a couple names for it before to kind of keep y'all, y'all interested here with some of our names for these awards. And we're still workshopping some of it right now. We have the, Brock Osweiler Award, which is the biggest waste of cap space. Uh, the most overhyped team award, a.k.a. the Dim Boys Award. Uh, <laughs> you have the biggest rebound season with the Chuck Pagano Award. Uh, the worst headline, which is our uh, T.O. moment. And that's just a couple of them. So, And then worst loss, which is the 28-3 award. So we get those are just a couple of them. Stay tuned on that. Let us know what you guys think. Uh, we're excited to do that. And if you guys like it, we'll do it every year. Um, but if you like the show, let us know what those reviews. If you didn't like the show, treat it like a bad date. It's not us. It's you. It's not you. It's us. Whatever makes you feel better. Just no reason to, you know, leave the bad reviews. Hit us with some feedback and we'd be happy to talk to you about it. Uh, if you like our show, another show you can check out. Go check it. This is a bad take. Uh, I should be doing a Jaguars episode about our Trent bulky nightmare presser. So check that one out. Um, go check out Jim over a fan of the van. Go check out Brenton Dave of 1420 Sports. Go check out the guys at the BSC Sports Podcast. Aaron over Brutally Honest Sports. Go check out Darian over Chill Takes, bro. We got to get you on the show soon. We will find a time to make our schedules line up. Uh, Dave and John at Love of the Playing Field, the guys at the We Like Sports Podcast. Go check out Average Joe Sports and go check out Cigar and Sports with him and Jim as well. Go, if you're into wrestling, go check out John over Wrestling Fan Insight. Um, if you're looking to do something in Vegas, go check out Visit Vegas Places. If you're looking to gamble if and you are an NFL player and you want to do it outside of an NFL facility, NFL facility go check out Nate's Daily Wager, You Bet Smart. Always, 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 always go check out Sports After Dark. One of the best sports Twitter spaces out there. Great people. Love working with you guys and talking with you guys going back and forth. I definitely enjoy it. Uh, and go check out the Stupid History Minute as well. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And as always, we will see you next time. Peace.